0: Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
1: The Angie's List You Know and Trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today.
2: It's time
3: to take command with former NFL tight end Logan Paulson and former Commander's Beat reporter Craig Hoffman. Take a command
1: podcast from Odyssey Sports on, well, wherever you're listening right now, unless you're watching. And then thanks for checking us out on the Odyssey Sports YouTube page. That is available to subscribe to right now. Not only our podcast, but our entire network. Great sports content of all kinds. Gambling tips, uh, insight on other teams. Logan, a little bit of everything from the 2400 Sports Network.
3: All right. Yeah, that's always good. Be a man of many hats or a station of many hats is always good.
1: Yeah, that's why it's the whole thing. You, your network, you got. we have many men and women who are very, very smart. Uh, and they talk <laughs> into microphones and give you knowledge. Uh, so make sure you subscribe, youtube.com slash at Odyssey Sports. And then if you find a podcast you like, you can subscribe anywhere to the audio version in your favorite podcast app. Today on this Wednesday pod, normally we look back at the game that was deep dive into the tape. Well, the last game the Commanders played, we already did that. Uh, that was a week ago because they had a bye this week. So, what we will do is look at the Giants Eagles game from the weekend. Logan's got some thoughts on that to dive into, then kind of take a look at the bigger playoff picture in the NFC as the commanders sit in sixth right now. And then we will look ahead to the Giants in a lot more depth, preview this weekend's game because our final podcast of the week will be uh, what we hope to be our first ever live show. Uh, We're still hammering out the final details, but make sure you're subscribed uh, to the Odyssey Sports YouTube page as it will likely be. Broadcasting live there. And uh, also, just kind of keep an eye on my Twitter page, Logan's Instagram page, for the uh, link to be able to actually get into the session with us and ask questions. So, a lot of setup there, a lot of housekeeping, Logan. Let's dive into some football. Uh, Eagles Giants. The Eagles absolutely thrashed the Giants on Sunday. And one of the things that I think is interesting about this game is it gets the Giants completely out of their flow. They would like to be able to keep things close, be a run-heavy team, not put too much on Daniel Jones, and because the Eagles just run up the score, that is not possible. The problem for the Commanders is they also like to play the same kind of style as the Giants. They are not a run-up-the-score team. But is there any temptation in seeing how ineffective New York was to try and perhaps be a bit more aggressive on Sunday and break through that threshold of the tie that they got last week? Yeah,
3: so I think, you know, everyone sees the score and they say, oh, well, the Eagles kind of thrashed. And they obviously did thrash the Giants. And it got, like you said, all those things about the game and the game flow were entirely true. I think the thing that really stuck out to me when I watched it is it wasn't like it was easy, especially in the first probably quarter and a half for Philly. And so what I mean by that is they come out, I think there's like a 15-play, 14-play drive to start the game. And it was tough. It was, you know, three yards in a cloud of dust. Jalen Hurts, to his credit, made a ton of plays versus Wink Martindale's kind of all-out pressure. Wink Martindale's kind of blitz of choice this week was a cross dog, which is basically when you take those two middle linebackers or a safety and a linebacker, you cross them, kind of messes with protection rules. It makes a lot of sense because Philly likes to be a little bit man-heavy in their scheme um, and pull Kelsey and kind of – it was a nice way to get them in a little bit of a bind. Philly did a nice job handling it, but they still had free runners to the quarterback, and Hurts made some throws under duress – that on third down, third down conversions, third down scrambles, that type of thing. And that's pretty much how their first two drives went. They get to a fourth and seven. Uh, I want to say it's on like the 40-yard line going in to score against the Giants. And that to me was like the tipping point in the game. It's like this six-play sequence in the game where it's like it tips. So, you know, Wink-Martindale, they can't get off the field, but it's hard. It's taking them a long time. They're giving their offense at least an opportunity to kind of stay in the game. It's fourth down. They go for a fourth and seven and um it's at the, the
1: plus 41
3: plus 41 Jalen Hurts there is pressure in his face kind of puts up a prayer the New York Giants safety love I don't know what he's doing totally totally misjudges the ball ends up being a touchdown for Philly okay 14-0 not out of it's it's getting out of hand but not out of hand yet the giants go three and out the punter then drops the ball like he, he, I'm sure everyone saw that this weekend he he catches the ball, it slips out of his hand, He it hits off the ground, then he kicks it. It's a 10-yard penalty and a loss of down. So they're back kind of in that 40 yards, maybe even closer 30-yard range. Next play is a touchdown to A.J. Brown, and it's 21-0, uh, to zero, right? So obviously, very dynamic paradigm shift. But in terms of what the defense for, for the New York Giants did to Philly, it wasn't like it was a blowout from the jump. I think Philly's defense deserves a ton of credit. And I think it's really interesting to look at this game plan that the Giants tried out because it was essentially identical to what Washington, like, you know, against, um, against the commanders two weeks ago, the Giants were like, Oh, we're going to run a lot of boots. We're going to run a lot of keepers. We're going to run a lot of attacking the edges of the defense, a lot of counter this week. They come out and they're just duo all the way. they basically like screenshotted the commander's game plan against Philly and said, we're going to run, execute that again. Had a hard time doing it. They got into some longer third-down situations. And obviously, the Philadelphia pass rush just ate up the um, the New York Giants offensive line. And I think like if I, if there's something to take from it, it just reiterates kind of the analysis that I had before going into the uh, Commanders-Giants game. One, is that this team is not built to pass protect in any meaningful capacity. So if you can win first and second down, get them into long down and s- down and distance situations, which again, that was a challenging thing for them in the first game. But if you can do that, they just cannot hold up versus any of the rushers that we have, right? Evan Neal, I think is has the potential to be a good player. I liked him coming out of Alabama. He is having a very hard time in pass protection right now. Um, you know, obviously Andrews is playing really, really well, but gives up a, a sack to Josh Sweat. So, you know, they, they're just not built to do it. They don't have the skill position players. I will say Philly played a lot of man defensively, which I thought was interesting, and it's if Benjamin St. Juice comes back, I would expect Jack to embrace that with two hands because they just don't have enough skill position players to make you scared. It allows you to put more resources in the box to stop the quarterback. So if there's something to take away, it's it's the man element, and it's being excellent on first and second down because it really puts them in a bad spot.
1: So the, the kind of thought process that I had started that question with, and it's interesting to hear um, kind of what you saw, though, starts with a simple stat. And that is nine carries for Saquon Barkley. He only had yep. nine carries on the entire day. And if he's not going to get the ball a ton, they're not going to win. And and it's not like he had a, oh, well, he had nine carries, but he also had 10 receptions. No, he had two receptions on two targets. Like he was not involved in the game and they do not have enough other skill position guys to be able to overcome that. You know, Richie James is their leader on the day in, in most of the statistical categories, catches yards, all that kind of stuff. And like, James is a nice little player, but like, he's not beating you. Right. Saquon is. And, and that's where, you know, it's, it's such an interesting thing too, right? Because it's not like you come out not trying to score. It's just how aggressive you are in trying to get those points. Are you aggressive in going after some bigger plays earlier in the game to try and really put the pressure on New York and to be frank, like I would, I would be able, I'd be willing to give a little leash on my, my time of possession that the commanders are so dominant in, in favor of being a bit more aggressive also because they don't scare me offensively. Okay. It doesn't work. Okay. Let's just go back to the gameplay. If we go yeah. a couple three and outs, I, I think I would be okay with that for Scott. But I, if I am Scott, I am trying to hit, and they've done a good job of this early in some games. Finding Terry on some of that deeper stuff, finding Jahan on some of the deeper stuff, getting those chunk plays that raises your average of scoring a touchdown from five percent to fifty-five percent and trying to get a couple on the board early, relying on the fact that your defense, especially if they are facing a heavier pass Giants offense, is gonna have a really good day. And and, you know, if that's the case, if you can get out fourteen nothing in the first half, um, you know, obviously your chances of winning skyrocket because you're up 14 nothing. Uh, but also, especially against this team, like that's a that's a tough day for New York.
3: Yeah, I think it's interesting you mentioned Saquon. I, I think Saquon's hitting a little bit of a lull, actually. You know, he's having like some type of neck issue. Um, he's not quite right, and I think that shows up. So to me, it's not Saquon Bartley. It's it's Dan, It's Daniel Jones. Like he is their offense. Mm. Him running the football, what he does in the short intermediate passing game, off the boots, off the zone read, off the RPO stuff. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I think like if you could manage. If you can, if you, he is the piece that you have to manage, right? And it's not like he's this overly dynamic piece. Like, I think he's a good football player, but he's limited, right? He's limited by a lack of skill position players. He's limited by a lack of run game. He's limited by a lack of pass protection. So, you know, obviously in the first matchup, he's the thing that hurts the commander's defense. So, what is your plan for him, really? Like, that's what it boils down to, in my opinion, after watching Philly, after watching our game what is the plan to keep him contained? And it's interesting that they kind of got away from the giants I'm talking about. Some of this boot action stuff, which murdered the commanders, which was very effective against Dallas. They didn't do it as much against Philly. Not really sure why. Maybe they kind of outsmarted themselves. They kind of tricked themselves. But I think when you see about how effective that was versus the commanders in the first game, you say, you got to go back to that because it puts Daniel Jones in a space where he can hurt you with his legs. He can hurt you with his arms. But my, if I'm, If I'm talking to Jack Del Rio, my first thought is, you know that they're going to try and do this. What is the plan to mitigate that? Because they can't run the football very well right now. Again, Saquon, offensive line health, all those different things, chicken or the egg. What is the plan to contain Daniel Jones? And I think if you can have a definitive answer there and a very consistent plan, I just don't see how offensively they can win this game. Obviously, defensively, we can talk about that in a second. But offensively, it doesn't seem like they're capable of of, of scoring – A significant amount of points to win the game.
1: Uh, Truth be told to the audience uh, is we are recording this at one. It's currently 129 PM and Ron Rivera is supposed to speak at 130. So I've opened up the old uh, tweet deck and we'll be keeping an eye on quotes from uh, Rivera's press conference. Uh, So we might have an answer here in the next few minutes on the latest of Benjamin St. Juice. But let's let's Either way, he's back, he's not back. Like, what is that plan? Obviously, if he's back, you feel better playing some of that man to man. Yeah. Um, maybe that allows you to free up Jamin Davis to spy a little bit because you're not playing, you know, your basic zone structures. Like what what are the the things that you're trying to do to limit Jones? Because, you know, what I say, you know, I'm not trying to just equip my point here, but like if if you can make them one dimensional, right? Because it's really about the carries more than it is the the production um, the production for Saquon like if they can stay as a run base let's say it's Gainwell or, or whatever his yeah, name is the, the, uh, or Sir Brightwell um, the backup Brita you know or Jones running like Jones only has four carries the other day in that game like they need to be a balanced and probably run heavy offense to be successful because if Daniel Jones is stuck drop back passing he's not good enough at it when he gets to do all this Daniel Jones stuff running the football, whether it's zone read or or design quarterback run, uh, we gets out on, on boot. Like that's when he's super dangerous and can hurt you. So what is the plan if you're Jack Del Rio to contain him better than you did in the previous the previous outing?
3: Yeah. I mean I think Benjamin St. Juice coming back if he does come back is huge. It is it is the game in my opinion because it allows you to do a lot of stuff. It allows you to say, hey Benjamin St. Juice match up with Slayton, who is their number one deep threat. And I feel very, 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 very confident about that matchup. I think Kendall Fuller matches up really nice with Hodgins, who was on a practice squad five weeks ago, right? So there, in terms of how you match up with this team, right? Cam Curl on Bellinger, who's probably their most consistent offensive player, the rookie tight end at San Diego State. Like, they're, they just don't have the horses. So if I'm him, I'm saying, on first and second down, I'm playing a Cinco front. I don't care try to beat us throwing the football go for it playing a single front playing man-to-man coverage and you they can't i don't see a a way where that happens obviously you can't play man-to-man coverage all the time but you definitely have to stop the run and so you know how do you stop the counter they had a hard time stopping counter last week and how do you stop the boot are the two things i would put as top of my list and then what is they and then as soon if i'm jack as soon as they come out and run their first drive they're going to tell you what their plan is. Like against Philadelphia, it was to run a lot of duo, right? Against us, it was to run a lot of boot. Once that happens, then then I'm going to go to the whiteboard at, right when the defense comes off the field. It's like, this is what they're trying to do. This is what we're going to do to stop it. That And then I just don't know, man. If you can play man coverage with these guys, which they can if St. Juice is healthy, there's not a lot that they have that scares you offensively. And then when you can allocate more stuff to the box, you can get the safeties down in there. Daniel Jones is going to be a less effective runner because you just allocated more resources to stopping that. So to me, like that's, that's what it comes down to. Obviously, it's not man every single play. They're going to run a lot of cover three match. That's what they do really well. But th- that's the game, in my opinion. It's not overly sexy or complicated. They're not running the football well. They don't have great offensive skill position players. They can't score a lot of points. So offensively, like defensively, that's pretty straightforward. I think the interesting story then becomes is what do you do knowing that as a commander's offense, right? That to me is the thing that is more compelling. Because do you say hey, we can air it out? They don't have a lot of good cover guys, you know, their password system and hitting home, they can't stop the run very well. Do we invite some variance to the game? And by inviting variants, like we give ourselves an opportunity to kind of hit on some more chunk plays, but we also invite Wing Martindale to bring the variants of the pressuring, of the blitzing, of the forced fumbles in. And when their offense is playing so poorly. It's kind of like, why do we want to invite any kind of opportunity for Wink to kind of shake things up? Would be my question.
1: Yeah, do we want to get into that now? Because originally we we're going to save that for the end of the podcast, but here we Which one? here we are. Uh, talk about the offensive side of it and, and inviting that variance.
3: I mean, yeah, I mean, we're kind of here. We're here. We're here. Oh, uh, we're here.
1: Executive decision.
0: <laughs> Boom! Here we go.
2: Okay, picture this.